Take your Bibles, go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Second Timothy chapter 4, it's right after 1 Timothy, if you're having problems finding it, like me right now. Again, appreciate all those that made it out this morning, and uh, today is just one of those days that you just want to stay in bed and keep sleeping. And uh, my wife and I were just talking about this the other day, before we had kids, uh, and I didn't have to work for uh, a certain day. And if it was a day like this, we loved those days. You just be lazy, lay around the house, and we uh, sleep in. Now that we have kids, it's like we dread these days because we just want to open up the back door and send the kids out. Um, and uh, last week, though, we had a bear in our backyard, so we only sent out Reagan that day to scare the bear away. Um, but we do. I have a picture on my phone if you do not believe me. Um, but Second Timothy chapter 4, I just want to say before we get started into this. I'm just so thankful and grateful for the opportunity, and uh, I'm nervous, if you can't tell already, and uh, honestly, I hope I never lose that. Uh, I'm very, very privileged to be able to stand behind the sacred desk and with this book and open up the Word of God and uh, with some of my favorite people on this earth, so thank you so much for being faithful and being in church this morning. And again, thank you for those that came, even though you didn't know, uh, you know that I was preaching. Uh, so, Second Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse number Number one, now this is um, Paul writing to his son Timothy, and in this chapter here, really, uh, this is like writing down his last words as a challenge to his, his son, and it's a departing challenge. He's basically saying, you know, here's, here's my last words, and you know, listen, listen to this. So, so 2 Timothy chapter 4, let's do this. I, I don't do this enough, but, uh, and I don't want to get out of the habit. Let's, let's stand. We're just going to read uh, verses 1 through 4. And since there's only four verses, we'll read them all in unison. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Beginning in verse number one. Ready? Begin. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you once again for this opportunity. Thank you for each and every person that's made it out today, Lord. I pray that we could be uh, an encouragement, a challenge, Lord, and I pray that we would leave changed uh, and encouraged. Lord, I thank you for... Um, all that you've done, all that you're doing, all that you're going to do. Lord, I pray you be with Pastor and his family as he's away, and Pastor Parmar as well. Lord, we love you. We ask these things in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, how many of you, honestly, this morning, when you got up, you were a little tempted to go back to sleep? How many, how many, how many are like me? Here's the honest people right there. Everybody else wants to raise their hand, but they're too tired to raise their hand. Um, I am, I am not a morning person at all, and I've never been a morning person. Now, if it was something exciting to look forward to, man, it, I didn't even have to set an alarm. And uh, I, 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 uh, I'm a little extra nervous today, too, because I see one of my bosses from Walmart is here, and he knows, he knows what I'm about to talk about right here. And uh, I just, I, I'll read this to you. In my phone, okay, I have an alarm set. I work at 4 a.m. I have an alarm set for 3.02 a.m., 
have an alarm set for 3.06 a.m. Have an alarm set for 3.08 a.m. Take a little break, have an alarm set for 3.29 a.m. Have an alarm set for 3.32 a.m. 3.40 a.m., 3.48 a.m. Now keep in mind, I work at four o'clock. 3.50 a.m., 3.57 a.m., and 4 a.m. And as my boss was over there, he could probably tell you that there's been a time that, uh, or two, or a dozen, that I've been there a little after four, but it's okay, I stay past one o'clock, so it makes up for it, right? But uh, I am not a morning person. When that alarm goes off, the first thing in my mind is, I have no idea what's going on. I just reach over and hit whatever's making that noise. And uh, one time my daughter was there and I accidentally hit her, no. Uh, but I just, I do not look forward to getting up. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm just so tired at night, but I can't fall asleep. Any position I get in is just uncomfortable, but when I wake up, that's the best time to go back to sleep. And any position is comfortable to go back to sleep in. Does anybody else, can anybody else say the same thing? Okay, there, now a little more hands, a little more people are waking up now, they're getting with it, okay. But uh, then you have someone like my dad who sets an alarm, he had to get up early all 36 years that he worked for the government, and he says, Caleb, I never once hit the snooze button. I think I woke up every time before my alarm. Well, I did not inherit that from my dad, not at all. Um, but I just, I was, I've never been a morning person. And I don't drink coffee or anything like that, but uh, once, the hardest thing for me about work is that 30 seconds it takes to get out of bed. Once I'm out, up, I'm up. Uh, I don't drink coffee or anything like that, like I said, but just, I might be at work, but I might not be all there, okay? So if I, uh, if I don't make sense, that's the reason why. I'm a little tired this morning. But uh, number one this morning the, on your worksheet there, wake up. And then the R word for that is get right. Now, how many times in our life that we have something that uh, we'll be challenged with? Maybe it's a, a preaching. Maybe it's just our own personal Bible time. But the Lord brings something to attention in our lives, whether it's to get right, get something right, or to do something different. And we just hit that snooze button. And we keep snoozing it away and say, God, I'll take care of this in a little bit. I'll I'm, I'm busy right now and I got so much going on, but I'm just gonna hit that snooze button. And, uh, but here's some areas that we're gonna talk about this morning on some areas that we need to wake up in. And uh, stay with me here. Uh, Point number one's a little bit long, but then we will fly through the rest. First area that we need to wake up in this morning is the area of sin, in the area of sin. Second Timothy chapter two. Now we saw Second Timothy chapter four, that was a parting challenge. But Second Timothy chapter two, beginning in verse number one, this is like a practical challenge. And I always like those practical challenges that you can kind of relate to. And here, uh, Timothy is, uh, or Paul, rather, is writing to Timothy, and he's, he's uh, relating that the life, about living life of a good soldier. But uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to be faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Verse 3, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, no man that worth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who say have chosen him to be a soldier. And the first area here that we need to wake up to is the area of sin. And uh, follow me on this, I'm sorry. I talk fast, so you gotta listen fast, then maybe we'll get out of here fast, okay? Amen? Okay, the, everybody else was very quietly when they said that, but we'll try to get out of here as quick as possible. But the areas in, let me, James chapter one, verse 13 says, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. 
Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. In the area of sin, let me ask you here, and there's next blank here, consider the end. Consider the end. Now, I, again, a lot of times we focus on sin as the, the fleshly sins, or maybe as man looks at it, maybe the worst possible sins you can commit, but just sins of just having a, a harsh word towards somebody, or flying off the handle, or, you know, but it, little things that just you're besetting sin, you fill in the blank what that is. But a lot of times we don't realize that just even those, those harsh words or those, uh, maybe those wrong thoughts towards one another or something ill towards one another, consider the end. It's gonna eat you up. And I just think about many times how in my life that, man, I, just being honest with you, if somebody does something, right, and they wrong me or maybe they just do something that needs to be corrected and I just can't wait to see what's gonna happen uh, to them. My daughter, I think, is a lot like me because now that we have two boys that are crawling around getting this stuff and we're saying, hey, don't do that, all of a sudden my daughter's right there to watch the whole thing, watch her brothers get in trouble because she's no longer the only one getting in trouble. But think about this personally as yourself. Don't think about anybody else. Consider the end. Before you fill in the blank, whatever that is, consider the end. The Bible says the end is death. Next, consider how it will affect you. Psalm 66, 18 says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. First Peter 3, 7, that your prayers be not hindered. Now, I'm glad that my daughter's not old enough to uh, hear this yet, but uh, she's gonna be, she's the theme of this message this morning. She gave me this message, uh, but she, there's sometimes, okay, that she just doesn't get her way, and she's a girl, sorry, and uh, all of a sudden, she just loses it. She snaps, and uh, I get to the point where I'm just like, you know what? Go ahead and cry. Go to your room and cry. Uh, you know, just, just go, you know, let it out, whatever. It's just, I'm done. I don't want to listen to you. You know, a lot of times that's how the Lord ends up, you know, we get so focused on, on so many things in our life that's not going the way we should or, uh, or we're, we're focused on selfish, selfishness and we forget how it affects our, ourselves. The Lord eventually, and again, we don't lose our sonship, our childship with the Lord, but we can grieve the Holy Spirit. We can break that fellowship, that communion with our Lord and Savior. But eventually he's gonna say, I'm not gonna hear you until you get that right. Uh, many times I have uh, some friends or, or some family members that say, hey, can you, they call me and say, hey, can you pray for this? And I think about that. Am I even on praying ground right now? Am I even able to go, through, go before the throne of grace and lift up this petition to him? There's gonna be a time in your life where something's gonna happen and uh, that, that you, he's not gonna hear your prayer because you don't have something right. Consider how that sin will affect you. Next, consider how it will affect others around you. Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sin. Now we know, of course, this is talking about Adam, and again, track me on this thought this morning, but uh, sometimes I just have these crazy thoughts about before we get to heaven, there's gonna be like a waiting room. Because when we get to heaven, we can't remember sins or anything like this, but I think there's gonna be a line waiting to talk to Adam about why could you just not eat of that one tree? And uh, you know, I wanna ask him that, but uh, then I think later, maybe if we would've kept going, it would've been me, so I'm glad he did it first, uh, not me, but we could kind of throw Adam under the bus sometimes. How, can he, how about we go to, um, uh, we're gonna talk about this tonight, Joshua 7, 1. It talks about Achan took the accursed thing and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. The children of Israel lost a battle because one man sinned and hid it and the whole nation was cursed of it. I think about just even in our own families, in our own church family, a sin that we have in our life that we're not willing to get right, not willing to give it over to the Lord, 
but it not only affects you, but it affects others around you. Maybe, because, maybe you say, oh, I, I've had this great sin in my life, and again, the Lord has forgiven you that, but you've never asked forgiveness. You say, I, I don't feel like I've ever been punished. Sometimes the punishment is just the absence of blessings in our life. And I think about that quite often, and sometimes when I do something, I say, God, I'm waiting for, you know, when I was a little kid, it's like, Mom, don't, Dad, don't take away all my entertainment. I'd rather just get a spanking and get it over with right away. But no, it's like, oh, for two weeks, you can't, you can't do this, you can't play sports, or you can't play this game. And it's like, my life was completely over at that point. But you know, a lot of times, we, we want that, just that quick punishment, but a lot of times, it's just the absence of a blessing, missing out on some things because we're trying to get, trying to get it right with God. Consider how it will affect you. Consider how it will affect others. Consider the end. Not only should we wake up in the area of sin, but let's wake up in the area of Scripture. In the area of scripture, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Let me ask you a question this morning. How is your Bible time? How is your Bible time? You say, Caleb, I'm here, I have my Bible, praise the Lord, I'm glad that you're here, I'm glad that you're in attendance this morning. But let me ask you, how is your Bible time Monday through Saturday? Can I just be honest with you? At 3.02 when my alarm goes off, and at 3.03 when my alarm goes off, and 3.08 when my alarm goes off, the first thing I'm not thinking is, I can't wait to read my Bible, okay? I'm just being honest with you this morning. First thing I'm thinking about is going back to see the inside of my eyelids, because I'm just so tired of that time in the morning. But you know, later then, then I'll, I'll remember that, oh man, I need, to, I need to take time on my break, or I need to take time to just read a quick uh, devotion, and I need to get some spiritual food uh, uh, for the day. How is your Bible time? Do you just come to church and just listen to the word of God? And again, I'm glad that you're here to listen to that, but you need to make it personal. How foolish of me, I've used this illustration before, but if my wife was to write me a letter, actually I was just recently cleaning out uh, some, some um, papers and stuff, and I started to find some cards that my wife and letters that she had wrote me, and uh, I was going back reading through those again. And, uh, but how foolish of it me was if she wrote a note and she left it there for me, she says, I want you to read this, and I never picked it up. And uh, someone that I love, someone that I see each and every day, and that I believe she loves me too, uh, but I don't read the letter from her. How more important is that our Heavenly Father that loves us, who died for us, gave us this letter, and we don't open it to read it. And uh, he said, well, some of it I don't understand. Well, find something you understand, read that. Once you get past that, get to the next level, find someone to help you understand that. Uh, but how's your Bible time? Next, how is your church attention? How is your church attention? It's actually kind of funny. I wanted to put church attendance, and the sound guys were asking me which one I meant, and I actually meant attention, because you know what? A lot of times we could come in and we can check in on Facebook that we're at Harvest Baptist Church, and we just give our attendance, but we forget to give our attendance to, or, or sorry, our attention. I'm messing up my own words here. Mess up our, our, our attention in church. First, uh, John 8, 47 says, he that is of God heareth God's words. He therefore hear them not, because you're not of God. How is your church attention? You know, I find it quite uh, funny sometimes, and it, maybe you've seen me up here. Honestly, I'm trying to do better with this, but a lot of times I'm texting back and forth with the sound guys about, hey, there's a ring in the microphone, or hey, this is happening next, hey, there's a mistake on this next song, we're gonna do this one instead. And uh, I started to, and then all of a sudden someone says, I saw you texting up there. It's like, oh, it's kind of hard to hide, especially when you have a big phone. But I, I, a lot of times I realize, I, I look around and, Again, I, don't, I, don't, I see everybody's eyes right now, so that's good. But uh, a lot of times I'll go up to the sound booth, I look down and I'm surprised that 
how the Bible app looks so much like Facebook and Pinterest on somebody's phone. And uh, I'm just kind of being facetious with you. But hey, a lot of times I could be in church, not even on my phone, and I'm thinking about what I'm having to eat afterward. Anybody else thinking about that? Now we're all thinking about that now. Thank you. Thanks, Caleb. Uh, but how is your attention? Do you give attendance, uh, attention to the word of God, to the, to the message of God, or do you just come in and give your attendance? How is your church attention? Uh, another area that we need to wake up in is the area of separation. The area of separation. Now, uh, the more Bible word that we could use would be the word sanctification. With sanctification, we all know it means when you're saved, you're sanctified, which means you're set apart for a specific use. You're called out of the world. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. And, uh, but the area of separation, biblical separation is a recognition that God has called believers out of the world into a personal and corporate purity in the midst of sinful cultures. I made that up myself. No, I didn't. I did, but I read that and I thought, biblical separation, that's what it is. Being separate. Being separate from the world. I remember when I first got to Bible college and uh, they handed out a, uh, a, a booklet and it was a, uh, you know, about the schedule, it was about the, the, the map of the campus and uh, this, the important dates throughout the year. And at the back, more, more like the, ha- the last half of the book, was the rules. And we love rules. And as I'm reading that, they say you have to read it and sign a paper that said that you read them all. And there was, when I went there my freshman year, there was 317 rules. And when I left, there was a little over 400. And don't think for one second, because I went there, they added more rules, okay? It's just, uh, but I will say that sometimes I'm reading through that rule book, and I'm like, really? That's a rule? Uh, it's because somebody did it. Uh, I remember uh, my, my sophomore year, uh, he ended up being a roommate of mine, and uh, they decided one night to go up inside the church steeple and steal some cereal from the kitchen uh, and one of the guys worked in the kitchen. They thought it was good. They had, okay, college freshman, Bible college, right? This only happens at Bible college. They ate cereal on the top of a church steeple, and they thought they were rebels. Well, guess what the rule next year in the, in the, um, in the rule book was? You cannot go up into the church steeple at any time. Next rule was do not steal cereal from the kitchen. Uh, but anyways, all that to say is, you know, a lot of times we, we, uh, maybe we go through the Bible and we don't understand why, why is that in there? Why do I have to do this? Um, you know, a lot of times they, I think about the, the simple fact of, you know, some areas in my life that I'm separated in. And uh, if we're not separate from the world, and I've said this time and time again, you've heard it over, if we're not separate from the world, they don't say anything different from what they already know. They already, if they already see the, the, if they see depression in your life, they see negativity, if they, and again, don't get me wrong, I, I could focus on the negatives. A lot of times Monday morning, you know what I'm thinking about? The people that weren't in church. Then I forget to think about all the people that were in church. Then I start to think about how this is going wrong in my life, but I forget about all these other things that are going right in my life. I start to focus on those little tiny things, and that's exactly what the devil did in the garden. He said, hey, can you not eat of every tree? Well, God says you can eat of all of them but one, but he says you can't eat every, made him look at everything thinking I can't have all this, but it was just one thing. And, uh, but I, I, there's some things in my life that I said, you know, I need to be separate in, otherwise the message that we're trying to proclaim to the lost and dying world, it's not gonna make any sense to them. It's not gonna see any difference. I remember, again, I was uh, Google security out in California, and uh, I'll tell you what, that was very interesting uh, working there. You can, uh, for nine hours, uh, actually it was an eight-hour shift, but then there was an hour break, but you had, literally, you had to hide for your hour break because if they saw you sitting down, you got reported. And uh, I was a patrol officer, and they, honestly, my town of 6,500 people that I grew up in, the Google campus was bigger uh, than the town that I grew up in. And my, my job was to walk the perimeter of the whole uh, campus. Thank you very much. Uh, I think that was, uh, I think someone 
shifted off to me or something, but I remember it was, I was those first couple of days so tired from just walking around that I was so tempted to sit down. But you know, I say all that to say that um, as I was getting trained, this guy that was training me, he says, you're one of those guys from that Bible college, aren't you? And I said, yes, I am. And he starts going through this, um, this database on the computer of all the employees that work for Google security. He says, I can tell you right now, I know every single one that goes to your college. I thought, oh, that's, that's great testimony, that's good. And he starts going through, he says, that person goes to your college, that person, he goes all the way through the list. He said, I got everybody, didn't I? And uh, I probably should have just kept my mouth shut, but I don't like to, I like to tell people when they're wrong. So I said, actually, you missed one. And he, this guy right here goes to my college. No way. There is no way that guy goes to your college. He's actually cool. I, oh, thanks. Thank you very much. Uh, he said, he, you know, he actually, you know, and he says, yeah, he, he talks about this, he does this, and there's no way he goes to your church. Now, time out here. That guy now got right. He's a Sunday school teacher in a good church. He has uh, a beautiful wife and two beautiful children, and they're doing good. But at that time, all right, it was just like, I remember being like, oh, what an awful testimony. But then I, I started to think about that person. I said, you know what, Lord, I don't want that to be me. I don't want someone to say, there's no way uh, that guy's a Christian uh, because of what he talks about, what he does, what he involves himself with. We need to be separate. And if we're not separate, there's no, there's no, there's no message. A uh, little, little further down here on the worship, what is working today for some Christians and some, for some churches, actually, is uh, number one here, tolerating sin, tolerating sin. I'll say it this way, if, uh, I, and, and just being completely honest with you this morning, uh, I, I, I like watching TV, I like being entertained, uh, I don't consume myself with it, but I remember there was a time in my life where, you know, you start, you start this like TV series, right, and those first three, four, five, there's no dirty words, there's no dirty scenes, and they just, they get you, they get you hooked, and all of a sudden, halfway through the season, something dirty, a dirty scene, dirty word comes in, and you're like, oh, I should turn this off, but I want to know what's going to happen. I'll just ignore it that one time. Sure enough, it continues to happen. You're like, I'll just finish this season. But guess what? Everybody knows what happens at the end of the season. A cliffhanger. Well, I'm just going to watch the first episode, the pilot episode in the next season, but then they leave you with another uh, cliffhanger. I've been there, okay? And, and I tell you that sometimes putting those, those wrong things in our minds and those wrong things in front of us, we start to tolerate that sin, which next leads us to compromising our standards, compromising our standards. Um, for me, um, a standard that I have in my life, or, uh, you know, I'm gonna give you the next blank and then I'll wrap it up on this, this little spot here. The next one is no convictions, no convictions. In my life, I, I, I have some certain standards and convictions that I have in my life, and again, I don't believe that they are uh, per se in the word of God, thou shalt not do this, but for me, uh, I, my um, brother-in-law said this to me many years ago, I said, Kilo, as you get more spiritual responsibilities, you need to set more spiritual standards in your life. Um, and so when he, I remember many years ago when he said that to me, it was, I started to pick out some things that, that I needed to do in my life. In my youth group growing up, we had an EMT group, and it was called Extra Mile Teams, the teams that would go the extra mile. I only went because the girl that I liked was in that group, but no, I'm just kidding. But uh, anyways, uh, and she's my wife today, amen. Um, I had to throw that in there just in case my wife was wondering if somebody else, but... Um, <laughs> But no conviction. So in our, our family, and again, if you do this, this is just, this is right here. So please follow me on this. This is me. This is not you. But uh, as I give you an example, in my life, I have a standard that I will not attend a movie theater. Say, kill what in the world? Why are you all about that? Again, if you go to one, nothing wrong with that. But for me, 
I just, I don't wanna be a stumbling block as I get more spiritual responsibilities because, hey, I might be going in to watch Toy Story 4, and I don't even know if that's good, actually. They're getting a little bit, uh, but how about we say Bambi? That's a good one. Thumper's my favorite in that movie. But okay, I'm going in to watch this rated G movie, okay? And, uh, but then all the other 17 movies that are in the movie theater are all the rated R movies. Okay, now let's say I meet you in the parking lot. Do you think I'm gonna go watch Bambi or do you think I'm gonna go watch some other movie? You don't know. And so for me, I just, that's a personal standard, personal conviction in my life that I will not do that. Um, and to me, I, I kind of relate it this way that uh, I will not go into a bar to have a, a, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and a chocolate milk. And Brother Ken Fontaine, I know you're not having a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, uh, uh, this, but he's got peanut allergy, everybody. Sorry, that was an inside joke there. But I don't want to be a stumbling block for somebody else. So I, have to, I want to be separate in my life. But we know what's happening in these churches. We start to tolerate sin, fill in the blank, maybe wrong music, maybe wrong dress. But then we start to compromise some of the standards that we had set in times past. And all of a sudden, we start to get just a little bit looser and it eventually leads to no convictions. And that eventually leads to what's the difference between us and the world? Uh, I worked a job for um, the time I was 15 all the way up to when I was 22. Off and on, when I went to school, I went to a different job. But when I came back, I worked for a construction company and we built. Uh, grain bins, and if you don't know what that is, Google it. Uh, it puts, it's a Midwest thing, but we, it's basically, I don't know why they call it grain bins, because corn went in it, but I guess it's a type of grain, so that's why I just figured that out, that's good. Um, but they, what they acquired us, required us to wear, well, hard hat, gloves, uh, protective ear, um, I can't even think, earplugs, it's a good one to use, steel toe boots, and I think about how many times we come to church, all right, and we got a hard hat on, we got the earplugs in, we got the steel toe boots. Hey, I'm here, given my attendance. Don't you dare try to change me. Don't you try to convict me. And by the way, it's not us that does the changing and the convicting, it's the Holy Spirit. And so don't put those earplugs in. Don't put those steel, steel toe boots on that say, God, don't step on my toes. I just want to come in, check in, and leave. Um, I think about Lot's family. I think about how Lot first started and he pitched his tent towards Sodom. Started to look at the world, started to tolerate the sin. And then eventually down the road, you know the story, but then Abraham's having that debate with God and saying, would you spare the city? I believe, I might have the number wrong, but I believe it's 40 people. Would you believe for, would you spare it for 40 righteous people? Um, and then he said, and then he debated back with God. He's like, you know what, actually, how about 20 people? How about just 20 righteous people? And then he kept debating. He's saying, let me think about this. How about 10? And went all the way down to, I believe it was five. So if you think about it, him, his wife, and his two daughters, and maybe, uh, you know, some, maybe just five righteous people, would you spare that city? Well, you know the story. There wasn't even five righteous people in the city. And you think about how Lot, eventually, how he got to that point. He was tolerating the sin. He compromised his standards, and eventually had no convictions. And then he was engulfed in that sin. All right, that's the end of number one. Wake up, get right in the area of sin, the area of scripture, in the area of separation. Number two, stir up, get rekindled. Uh, for, for 2 Timothy chapter one, 2 Timothy chapter one, here we go, beginning in verse one. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God according to the promise of, of life which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God who I serve from, from the forefathers which the pure, with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers and day, greatly desiring to see that, be mindful of thy tears that I might be fulfilled with joy when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and, and thy mother Eunice and I am persuaded that in thee, uh, persuaded that in thee also. Here it is, verse six. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by putting on of my hands. Let me just, let me just 
rekindled, stir up. Literally, this, this, this word here, stir up, is to rekindle. And rekindle means to start or stir up something again. It means to, uh, that something must have went out, and I think of a fire. That's when I think of rekindling, I think of a fire. I've only been camping a couple times, and I've never had the opportunity to rub two sticks together, uh, but I had lighter fluid, and I had a lighter because why wouldn't I use what God gave us? Uh, but um, I, So I started the fire, and then I wake up in the morning, and all of a sudden that fire's out, right? How foolish of me, and we all know this. Why would I stick my hand or step my foot in there? Because there could be something smoldering down in there. The Bible literally is talking about here that we need to stir up, stir up that fire. Get that fresh wood on the fire, stir it up, get burning again. Here's some things how we could stir up, how we could stir ourselves up. Psalm 40, verse three says, and he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. One area that we can stir up in is sing, sing. Now, Caleb, of course you'd say that. You lead the singing here at the church and you don't want to be the only one singing. Can I just say that a lot of times when I leave church, you know what's mo- mostly in my heart or mostly in my mind? It's the songs that we sing. And, uh, and there, a lot of times I'll be at work and there's a song being played over the radio and all of a sudden that song's stuck in my head. The music has a big effect on us. And it just it sticks in your mind. And I'd much rather, and, and it's such a great statement, I'd much rather be singing God's music than the world's music. But a lot of times we just... I, th- I think it's funny how, um, again, I believe everybody's eyeballs are looking at me right now, but sometimes I, I look at someone when, when I'm leading the singing and they're not singing. Hey, maybe you're like me, you just have a terrible voice. That's why I claim the verse, make a joyful noise, emphasis on noise, okay? It doesn't have to sound pretty, but it's noise coming out. Maybe you just don't know the songs, maybe you just new here, and that's fine, but I just, I sometimes just find it hard to believe that a true born-again Christian cannot get stirred up by some of the songs that we sing. I think about the songs we sing today. It will be worth it all when we see Christ. You know, as I get older, I'm thinking about, and I haven't really experienced a whole lot, but I think I, just, I see that more and more every day. Uh, maybe a little sacrifice that you think is a sacrifice that you made here, but someday it's all gonna make sense. It will be worth it all when we see Christ. I think about it, just, how can you not be stirred up when we sing? Next, First Thessalonians 5.18, and everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Next, thank Thankful, be thankful, thank. The other day I was, uh, I was at Walmart, I was working and a, a coworker was sharing some things that was happening in their life and I, I, felt, I felt sorry for him I, um, and I was just listening, trying to be in a listening ear and uh, I got home and I hugged my wife with tears in my eyes and I just said, I am so thankful. I am so thankful for my God. I'm so thankful for my family for my wife, for my kids, I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed. You know, a lot of times, I think this happens every workplace, and it's funny, I, I, um, Jeremy would know what I'm talking about here, but there's a a coworker uh, that that says that, man, there's a lot of of stuff just happens here I don't agree with, and I go to another workplace, it's gonna be the same thing. Same things happen in every workplace, amen? And, uh, but I I just, I, I think about just how some of those people that are lost, they don't have Jesus Christ in their life. And I was, when I was talking to this coworker, I said, hey, I'm not gonna preach. And they said, oh, thank you, Caleb. Uh, I said, I know it sounds cliche, but Jesus makes it all better. And that's enough said right there. Jesus makes it all better. He makes it all make sense. He satisfies you. And I just, I just, man, I think about just some things in my own life. When you start to get down and you don't know what to do and you start to get so negative, sing, praise God. Thank him 
for what he's done, what he's going to do, what you're going through right now. Next, letter I, involvement. Involvement. Psalm 102 says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. I had to throw singing in there again, sorry. But get involved. Hey, in the song service, get involved. Hey, and when, we, when the preaching comes, get involved. And many of you, are, I could tell you're, you're attentive, and I thank you for that. Hey, when missions, uh, when missions conference comes, get involved. Pray for our missionaries. Give. Uh, when, when a need comes in the church, when a work day is coming, get involved. Can I just say that you know, a lot of times when you get involved with something, something exciting happens, it's hard not to get stirred up. When someone walks the aisle and gets saved and you're involved in church, you're investing your time and investing maybe your money into the church, how can you not be stirred up about that? I remember many times as I was playing basketball and I would make a stupid mistake on the court and I would see my coach, who's now my brother-in-law, get someone ready to come in for me. Oh, that made me so mad. Someone's gonna come in and replace me. And he knew better because he knew I was about to do something else to make up for what I, what I did. It was probably gonna be horrible. Uh, I wasn't gonna punch anybody, okay, but... Uh, but I hated that feeling of being substituted in. Can I just say that I never liked watching my team play when I had to sit on the bench. And if you're truly locked into this, and you're truly a child of God, and this is your home, this is your, where you called your church home, get involved. And I'm thankful for the Sunday morning crowd, I'm thankful for the Sunday night crowd, I'm thankful for the Wednesday night crowd, and I'm thankful for all the other special services that we have, get involved. Get involved. When you get involved, it's hard not to be stirred up about some things. Lastly, under this point here, Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth, he demonstrated, he proved his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Remember, remember. Hey, when life gets you down, when you get all depressed and you focus on all those negative things, I just recently got a Facebook and I'm following Fox News and I just, I just can't believe all the stuff that's, that's negative that I see on the news. And probably the most negative thing I saw this week is I didn't realize Joe Biden's trying to run for president. I thought, oh Lord, help us. Uh, but, sorry, I shouldn't have said that. But, um, <laughs> you need to wake up. Uh, but, uh, remember, but remember, when, hey, when life gets you down, remember all that Christ went through. I shared this with the teenagers just recently and I think about, uh, we're going through the book of John and how Jesus Christ, has, again, we know we just celebrated Easter and as he went through all the suffering for us, but I think about even just how when he was on the cross, he looked at John, the, the disciple, and says, behold thy mother. He was telling the disciple John, take care of my mother. Now, think about this with me. Where's Joseph? I don't think Joseph just ran off, okay? I believe he died. It's not recorded, and I don't know if it's biblical to say that, but I believe that he passed away. Jesus even knew what it was like to lose his dad. Jesus even knew how it was not to have a father in the home, and we can touch Jesus Christ. We can, we can, he can understand us because the things that he went through, he suffered. He went through so much more. You think about Jesus who was 100% God and he came down to this earth. He put on this robe of flesh and he went through all this stuff. Can I just say, he humbled himself to even just come as a baby and to grow up. That's, uh, you know, a lot of times that's some of the people go through the most awkward stages in their life just growing up, but that's part of growing up. But he went through all that. He didn't have to, but he did that because he loved us. Hey, when, when that problem seems so big that you can't understand why you're going through it, remember, remember Christ died for you, rose again, that we can live with him in eternity. Not only do we need to wake up and get right, stir up and get rekindled, lastly, look up and get ready. Look up and get ready. Can I just say that to here again with uh, another illustration of my daughter? Um, a lot of times when she's disappointed, okay, that she didn't get that fifth bowl of ice cream, um, she's disappointed and she hangs her, I'm just teasing, it was four, all right, but so she hangs her head and she drops that lip down to the lower ground and, and uh, she, she gets all, all, her whole world's crashing in, okay? You know what I say to her? Reagan, look up. I want to talk to you. 
Your father loves you. Your father wants to correct you when you're wrong. I love you so much that I don't want you to grow up and be like that, okay? I wanna correct you on this. And uh, look up here, I wanna talk to you. How many times in our life that we're going through something and Jesus is just saying, hey, look up, look up at me. Get ready, underneath here, look continually. Look continually, Hebrews 9, 28. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Hey, the Lord's coming, look continually. I remember that uh, when, when my loved ones, my relatives, or someone, a friend maybe that was coming over to the house, or I was expecting someone to come over to the house, guess what, I was looking out that window. I wanted to know when they were coming. Hey, guess what, I'm looking forward to my Christ returning someday. I wanna look continually. And when you look continually, next you're gonna live carefully. When you're looking continually, you're gonna wanna live carefully. I remember many times when my mom would say, uh, and I was homeschooled, if you have not figured that out already, um, but I was homeschooled and she would give me this list of all the things I need to get done, and she said, I want you to get this done by the time I get home. I said, Mom, what time are you coming home? And she wouldn't tell me. Guess what? That list got done ASAP because I didn't want to suffer the consequences of my mother's wrath. But when she said that a time that she was coming home, I timed it perfectly just to get it done right before she gets home. Hey, we don't know when the Lord's returning someday, so we need to look continually. We need to live carefully. Next, we need to read continually. Read continually. Again, I don't know what I, I don't know what I'm gonna do. He said, I don't know what I'm supposed to do in life or what. Right here, this is this is instructions right here for us. Read continually. Next, witness compassionately. Witness compassionately. As I was going through, was uh, I was the other day, and I was trying to just think about this message that was going to be preached. And uh, honestly, um, <laughs> I can say this. I feel a lot better about myself when I go to Walmart. Anybody else like that? There's just some people that come in that you just feel so much better about yourself. I guess I'm the only one, okay. Um, but um, what I mean by that is I started, you know, I started to think about these people that they don't know the Lord. And again, I, I don't wanna, while I'm working, start witnessing to them, okay, might get fired for that and I'm not working and get in trouble for that, but I wanna witness to everybody that I can. Hey, you might not be able to witness with the actual gospel coming out of your mouth, but you can witness with your life. And I just say that those are someone that you're praying for, I think, about, I think about two of my uncles today that don't know that heaven's their home. They want nothing to do with Christ. They want nothing to do with us talking about it. You know what I pray for? I pray that someone in their city will witness compassionately and witness to them and they'll get saved. And I believe that's the only way that they're gonna get saved. Somebody else is gonna have to witness to them, not us. Not only should we look continually, live carefully, read continually, witness compassionately. Lastly, surrender completely. Surrender completely. Now, don't put your pens away. Don't put the, the bulletin away. I know I gave you the last blank there. Stay with me on this. My life verse, Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I think about that living sacrifice keeps crawling off the altar. It's a daily thing. We gotta surrender completely. When you get down, and you wake up, stir up, look up. If I can end with this illustration, and we'll be done here in a minute. Does anybody, if I say the name Timothy Stackpole, has anybody ever heard that name before? Timothy Stackpole. The teens don't remember. That's good. Two years ago, I used this illustration in science school, but that's okay. Timothy Stackpole, he had two passions in his life, family and fire. He was a firefighter. Timothy Stackpole grew up in Brooklyn neighborhood, the same area where he would eventually raise his own five kids. His family was his top priority, and his wife, uh, Tara, said that it was like a million dollars to him. He just enjoyed being with his kids each and every day. 
Timothy Sackpole was also passionate about his job while fighting a four-alarm fire at Brooklyn, or in Brooklyn in the summer of 1998. He heard that a woman was trapped inside, and without hesitation, he and his two colleagues did what firemen do. They ran into the flames to save somebody. While the three firefighters were inside, the floor collapsed without any warning. Uh, um, my whole body was trapped up to my neck. The fire was still roaring all around us. I remember the excruciating pain in my ankles as they burned to the bone, Timothy Stackpole said. And I remember just praying to God, just let me die bravely. Stackpole and his colleagues were trapped in the fire for almost a half an hour. He said, I had this tremendous sadness that I wasn't gonna be able to see my children again. I wouldn't see them grow up. I wouldn't be able to walk my daughter down the aisle. He said, 34 of his uh, co colleagues, 34 firemen, put, down, put their own lives at risk, and they saved, uh, to save these three men. They got him out, but one of the colleagues died at the scene, but the other two were rushed in ambulance with terrible burns. Uh, fire, firefighter, um, uh, chief firefighter at the time, Michael um, Brady, rode with Stackpole in that moment. He said that Timmy, as he called him, was still comforting. Uh, he, was still, he was still being a champion. He was still comforting the EMT. He was shocked with all the burns and all the, uh, the injuries that he had caused, and he was cheering him on, and he kept saying, thank you, brother. Thank you for helping me, and his zeal could not be squashed. Timothy Stackpole was taken to a burn center in New York, and with over 30% of his body uh, that was burned, um, at best, his wife thought he would never walk again. He didn't think he was going to live. In many days, he was very close to death. The pain that he suffered was incredible, the wife said. When the doctors attempted to get Stackpole back on his feet, he fainted just from the excruciating pain. But after 66 days, Timothy Stackpole limped out of the hospital to a hero's welcome, returning to work soon afterwards. Though he could have retired from the department and gotten his full pension, Timothy Stackpole chose not to. It was his life's calling, said his wife. He couldn't not do it. And this is what he felt like he was supposed to do in his life. Two passions, his family in the fire. After 21 years of fighting some of the New York's toughest fires, including that 1998 fire that he almost killed him, Timothy Thaswell served his first day as captain on September 11th, 2001. He was one of the hundreds of firemen who answered the call after the World Trade Center was stuck by the two airliners, and one of the 343 that was killed when the Twin Towers collapsed. Stackpole, who was a legend in the fire department, after surviving that 1998 fire, was dedicated to his job to the end. He said, um, quoted in a newspaper after that experience, he said, the greatest high you can get in life is by helping somebody. And again, this is his words, um, not mine. He said in public service announcement that um, this was his life's calling, as he's, his wife had always said. T Tara Stackpole uh, remembers September 11th beginning like a normal day. It was a normal routine Tuesday. He kissed us goodbye. He told me he loved us and that he'd see us later. When she heard about the attack on the World Trade Center, she immediately knew where her husband was going. She immediately raced from her, from her mother's house to pick up her children. She says, as I was on my way to pick up my children, I stopped at a red light and I realized I was right in front of the building that almost killed him in 1998. And I just had this awful feeling he wasn't coming home that night. She remembered, it's a sign. How, can, how would the odds be that I would end up right there on that day? It was a reminder to me that I had those three extra years with him. Turned out that Timothy Zackpole was among the first to get to ground zero. He led a team that ran into the Second World Trade Center to rescue victims after it was struck. He and the others all perished when the tower collapsed. Now, why did I tell that story? Just because it's an inspiring story. Let me just say to you, this guy did what he loved. He had a passion for it. He had the opportunity to kind of throw in the towel, really, and just say, I'll take my full pension. I'll just retire. But he did something, like, how many times, 
Again, do we, do we get so bogged down in life and we get, we, we, we get all these the, the, the negative things that happen in our lives that, God, I'm just thrown in the towel. It's just not worth it. It will be worth it all when we see Christ. Timothy Sackville, he was dedicated to that. Let me ask you this morning, do we need to wake up in some of those areas? Do we need to stir up some things in our heart and get right with God? Do we need to look up and get ready? How are we doing in these areas? I hope that they could just be an encouragement to you to say, hey, when life gets you down, here's some ways that you can get back up. And the, the beginning in uh, one of those chapters there talks about how um, not being entangled with the things of this life and again, a lot of times we look at the fleshly things of the world and we think, oh, don't be entangled with that. A lot of times we just get busy. We get too busy for God. And can I just say, if you're too busy for God, you're too busy. And um, let me just be an encouragement to you today. Say, hey, maybe there's something going on in your life right now. Maybe something's not going on right now. Something's about to happen. You're either coming out of a trial, in a trial, or going into a trial. Let's make sure that we are doing good in these three areas. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for your son. I thank you for your sacrifice on the cross for us. Lord, I pray that there's someone here today that doesn't know that heaven's their home. Lord, I pray that they would realize their need for a savior and realize that they are on their way to hell today because they've not put their full faith and trust in you. Lord, I pray that maybe someone here today that they would, they would talk with someone that knows how to show them and that they can leave here that they know that they know that they know that they're on their way to heaven. Lord, I just pray at this time as, as we go into invitation that maybe just one person uh, would make a, make a decision to uh, maybe sharpen up their game in some of these areas or to leave change or to leave encouraged. Lord, I pray that we could just um, leave here knowing that we heard from you today. Lord, I love you so much. I ask these things in your name, amen. She's gonna start playing um, Trust and Obey. And as you remain seated there in your seat with heads bowed and eyes closed.